passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Cafe Hangout. We are live. I was waiting for the words. I am John Pollock, along with Waiting. Oh, shit. One day I'm going to learn. Every week. That's that's the official start of the show, (laughs) is getting feedback from Wei's laptop. I'm John Pollock, joined by Waiting. We have a packed edition of the Cafe Hangout coming at you today. All of you Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members. We are going to be joined later on in the program by... ESPN's Ariel Helwani, who's going to be joining us live from Montreal, the site of today's huge announcement by George St. Pierre that he is retiring from the sport of mixed martial arts. We're going to dedicate a significant portion of today's show to discussing George St. Pierre's career, and then we'll chat with Ariel, who uh, not only attended the press conference, got to do a 30-minute sit-down with George after the press conference. So uh, some great insight there. Um, lots to talk about uh, with Ariel. We'll also be taking your phone calls if you want to chat about George St. Pierre's career. Any wrestling news that's going on, 732-800-4423 is the number to call. And we will also be taking calls via Skype. Just add us post-wrestling and you can call in. We will be taking calls at any point throughout the show. So call in, chat with Way and I. How are you doing today, Way? I'm doing well. It's a very busy day. I feel like you and I have done a lot of talking together today. We actually already have, yeah. We're in the midst of a... Thursdays are, 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 are kind of our, our bulk recording days. And not only that, we we just had lunch with a, with a good friend. A good friend. A great Would friend. Do you consider him a good friend? I didn't know what was a, a secret or not. Uh, we recorded a, a quick thing with Damien Abraham, too, for his uh, 200th... 200th edition of his podcast turned out a punk coming out soon yes that will be out next week very happy that we could be on yeah. with damien i'm sure he's not going to hear this but nonetheless our uh our encouragement is there for you to go check out the 200th episode uh, also up next this week i am on with Braden harrington talking about uh this is way's like fourth show of the oh day oh god i know but uh, I had a great chat with Braden this morning woke up bright and early had my coffee chatted about velveteen dream versus johnny gargano was it lit? It was lit. It was, uh, what else did they say? I have no idea. Um, it was full of BDE. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else they call it. Well, you can check that out now yeah. at postwrestling.com. Up next, uh, which rumor has it, I will be joining Braden for next week. That is the rumor, unconfirmed. Uh, today's show unofficially brought to us by not just Haichu, but Girl Scout Cookies. From our good friend, Sean. Okay, can you tell us the story of how we are all of a sudden um, holding Samoa cookies and Girl Scout Thin Mints? All right, well, I I won't read this whole thing because this was, I I guess, a a private message to myself and Way, but this is from Sean. There is a review you guys did with Samoa Joe selling Girl Scout Samoa cookies. You said you don't get them in Canada and never had one. 
That is a crime. So I ordered a box of each of you to try, plus a box each of my favorite thin mints. Who can I get this gentleman's name? Sean. Sean. This was when John sent me this the like this pa- uh, a photo of this package in the mail. I can't tell you how ecstatic I was. But the skit he's referring to is uh, was on this season's of uh, this season's uh, Edge and Christian show, where Samoa Joe <laughs> is selling Samoa cookies <laughs> instead of samosa. Samo, sorry, Samoas. Samoas. Yeah, Samoa, Samoa cookies. And I saw the skit. I thought it was hilarious. Joe is amazing in this sketch. I encourage everybody to watch it. But I don't think I could fully appreciate it because I've never had a Samoa cookie. We don't have girls like we don't. I, have, I'd never heard of Samoa cookies before this skit. Yeah, like I we don't have like proper like Girl Scout cookies like they do in the U.S. Here, I guess we do. But we have Girl Guide cookies. Girl Guides, come yeah. on, which are largely like th- there's nothing special about them. Please. So, uh, so how about on air, John? You and I have our very first taste test of a samoa cookie you know I'll, I'll have one in a little bit i'm not i'm not gonna break my own rule oh you hate you hate I, i'm eating. thinking of the listener out there i will have a, a bite of a samoa cookie. okay you have a samoa cookie and then you give us a review in honor of samoa joe and george st pierre's career way of having a samoa cookie these are uh crisp cookies coated in caramel sprinkled with toasted coconut and stri- striped with dark chocolatey coating I feel like tapping out because I just I was just putting a coquina clutch by these delicious cookies. Oh, a, a coca- wow. coconut, coconut, coconut clutch. <laughs> these are delicious. George St. Pierre, do you want to start there? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a bunch of wrestling news that we're going to get to as well, including a Hulk Hogan biopic that is in development, which will be quite something. Uh, but George St. Pierre, this is a this is a really big news item in Canadian sports today. Uh, the press conference it was carried live in some form or fashion, uh, mostly digitally. Uh, TSN carried this. Rogers Sportsnet, CP Twenty Four, Six Eighty News, Global. Like this was a very big sports story. I don't think if you don't live in Canada, I'm sure you can understand the kind of celebrity George St. Pierre is, but. Like Canada, it's just it's that much smaller than the United States. It's when there is a athlete at that level performing on a worldwide stage, it just it, compound that and, and mm-hmm. think of just how big this guy is someone that it would not be foreign to see him on the front page of a newspaper or the front of a magazine cover or leading uh, the, the sports center highlights on like his story will be all over Canadian press. Uh, this week, like it's it's a really big deal. Uh, George St. Pierre sitting, uh, s- stepping down. Huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think like what, it's hard for me to say, like who in American culture, you know, would be an equivalent because it feels like so much of culture is American. And therefore, uh, I, I would say like he this was not Wayne Gretzky. I know Dana White mm. made that comparison once and it's like, that's a stretch. But I, I would say some jo- people he kind of is, you know, depending on how much attention you pay to MMA, what age you are. Like, who is the closest person that we have? I mean, I don't know. I don't watch hockey anymore. But he's like, you know, a, a, an Olympic-level, like, superstar representative of, of, of that. Let country. me put it this way. If I were to go down a random downtown Toronto street yep. and ask 50 people who George St. Pierre was, I think 45 of them would know who George St. Pierre would be. I would imagine as many people would know who George St. Pierre is as Donovan Bailey, for instance. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Different eras too, you know. D- different time periods. 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the chat room right now. Our friend Eric is saying he's something special, not only because of his success, but because of how he carries himself. And I think that's a major, major element to, to why he is so beloved by Canadians. I think he's a guy, through his humility, really embodies, I think, what we like to think of as, you know, a Canadian's ty type of, like personality you know not somebody who's very braggadocious not a conor mcgregor type he's somebody who is incredibly successful works hard and doesn't really boast about it all that much he was the, he was the classic like he wore the white hat in combat sports which often is so much associated with floyd mayweather's or conor mcgregor's he, he was the antithesis and it was a stark lesson that you needed to have that side of the equation. A Conor McGregor doesn't veer from the norm unless you have somebody like a George St. Pierre as that that true north that mm -hmm. people do want to get behind. And George St. Pierre was someone that people would spend money on pay-per-view or buy tickets to go watch fight. And it was because of like th that side of the personality spectrum is also a very enticing one and not every if everybody was conor mcgregor it would not be special well in an age i think like especially seeing in pro wrestling where like the anti-hero is so celebrated i think it's incre increasingly difficult to be your you know like uh jo george was bruno San Martino. that's yeah. who george was well to me he was bret hart like he <laughs> was a real life bret hart you know, like from the 90s, you know what I mean? Somebody who represents Canada and, again, is incredibly respectful and humble in, in all his appearances. Um, but George is a guy who, like, to me, for many years was my the biggest babyface, the biggest pure babyface to me in all of comics. 100%. Sports. WWE wasn't really producing him like that. You know, wrestling wasn't, wasn't celebrating people like that. But George was a guy who was just, like, worked really hard, was not afraid to talk about his insecurities. And that just made you love him even more. And that evolved. Like there was, I think one of the best things for him was that hiatus he took from fighting in 2013. And it would be four years before he came back. But he had, um, he had the fight with Johnny Hendricks. And it's, it's a very arguable fight that George St. Pierre won that fight. I mean, he got the, he got the judges, uh, favor that night mm -hmm. but that's a fight you could certainly look and believe that johnny Hendricks won that fight it was a split decision win for saint pierre and then he vacates the title afterwards and it was such a big deal that george saint pierre was going to make this announcement in uh december 2013 we were there way and i get sent to a mall he's going to do an appearance at a mall in quebec city which is a far cry from Montreal. It took a hell of a long time to get to this place. Uh, it was the day after our Christmas party. And we get to this mall. And prior to his mall appearance, he does a conference call to announce he is taking a hiatus and vacating the welterweight title, uh, which would be put up in a fight with, between Johnny Hendricks and Robbie Lawler. And it was several weeks later that I got to do a sit-down interview with George St. Pierre. And I walked in, and I'm used to this guy who is wound up so tight during fight week. He was a robot. He was programmed to take in the information of those coaches and trainers around him and apply it. And during fight week, he had an answer for every question that he's been asked a million times. And you got nothing out of this guy. And it was the most relaxed I had ever seen George mm -hmm. after he relinquished this title. The weight of the world was off his shoulders. He was happy to see me. He was smiling. And he evolved so much that he started talking about big issues and a lot about himself and it was it was a totally different person after that hiatus he took he spent a lot of time talking about big issues but also uh dinosaurs dinosaurs and aliens yeah uh we do have a caller uh that's calling in who's this 
It is uh, Paul from New Jersey. Hey, guys. Hey, Paul. What did you want to chat about today? What's up, Paul? Uh, yeah, hey, guys. I want to talk to, you know, about GSP. Um, you know, for me as a person who, um, you know, around the time MMA started blowing up, I um, I was actually very overweight, and I got really into the sport. And my favorite guy was GSP. I was so inspired by the guy. And I actually started doing MMA and lost a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, I think he was one of the guys I really gravitated towards. And um, uh, much to Way's point, like, it's interesting because how you say how he carries himself like my favorite wrestler of all time. And you guys might laugh. It's Marty Jannetty. I, I love the guy. I always loved watching him. But if someone said to me like, Hey, uh, you guys want to go out and have dinner with Marty Jannetty today? I'd be like, I don't know if I would want to do that. But like with a guy like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the guy, but it's like, yeah, that might be a little exhausting and freaky and I don't know where I'm going to end up. But like with a guy like GSP, I'm like, that's the guy I would love to like, hang out and talk to him. He seems like a really nice guy. I've heard him on like a lot of interviews and he just seems like, you know, a sweetheart. So I just, I think to Wade's point, like, I think that does make a big difference. And I think he really represents your country very well. Yeah. I mean, he, he has a lot of the qualities that I see in Brian Danielson, a guy that is, he is not going to lie right. to you. Um, he is someone that, I mean, you you can tell when he's been in negotiations, like he'll be coy about certain details, but he'll be upfront about, I have to keep certain things uh, confidential. But he is an open book and he is going to tell you what's what and what's going on with the UFC and what's going on with management and if he had issues and why a fight isn't going to take place. Like he was an incredibly open book when it when it came to that stuff. And that, that certainly increased over the last four to five years. What are some? Absolutely, yeah. I was going to ask you, Paul. What are some of your favorite memories from his career? I think the first fight I saw that really was like, oh my god, this guy's going to be something, was against Jay Heron. Because mm-hmm. again, I was very young in watching the sport at the time, but I knew Jay Heron was a, that guy was a big deal. That guy was, you know, a tough guy to finish, very durable. And GSP, I think, I think he just destroyed him in like two minutes. I'm like, wow, this guy, this guy might be something here. And um, I think that is a, a feud against Matt Hughes, um, you know, losing with one second left. And I'm like, oh, how heartbreaking. And then coming back and beating that use twice. And yeah, just a lot of great memories. And um, lastly, before I uh, hang up, I just wanted to say, um, you know, I, I didn't know where a uh, best time to say this, but I always want to tell you guys, um, I'm losing my vision and I suffer from um, a lot of eye diseases. And um, I finally just got approved where I am going to Portland um, to maybe find a cure. It's amazing. It's a, uh, wow. it's been 20 years and, um, you guys, like you, so many of those days are hard and I just load up my stuff of post wrestling and the day that should be hard. I'm laughing. I'm enjoying myself. So I just wanted to thank you guys and just want to shake your hands when I see you in Broadway. Wow. That's, oh that's God. incredible, Paul. Thanks very much for, uh, for sharing that. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Dude, like, thank Paul- you for all that you guys do. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, man. And we look forward to seeing you, you guys. when we're down there. Look forward to seeing you too. All right. Thanks, Paul. Like, that's crazy. Like, you, we talk about wrestling. Like, I'm I'm here just doing a show talking to my friend about professional wrestling without any kind of thought of, like, what somebody like Paul might, might, might be gathering from it. And the fact that, like, you know, um, we could do that for him, that's, like, we will continue to do the, do the show forever. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it's it's always, um, yeah, sometimes you, you don't really uh, take into effect uh, what kind of uh, 
who's listening and and what it's uh, providing for them. And I th- I'm sure you and I can probably speak of our own examples where you look for a certain form of entertainment that get, gets you away from some hardship that, that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, he did bring up the, uh, the, the feud with Matt Hughes. And here's a fighter that he had two losses in his career. And I thought both were very big defining fights of his career. Um, the Jay Huron fight, it led to the first fight with Matt Hughes, and he was submitted with one second left in the first round, and it took him uh, six fights after that to get back to challenge for the title, and, or five fights. He beat Matt Hughes, and then it was the loss to Matt Sarah. And the Matt Sarah loss was probably the most, in some ways, the most important fight of his career, because it was after that, And he talked about this at the press conference today, that he was utterly humiliated in that fight. And it was his ego that took the biggest pounding. And he probably could have uh, gone down um, a big slump at that point. And he made changes all around him from training, management. He changed everything around. He admitted he did not take that fight seriously. He didn't train very hard for it. And he never lost a fight after that. And... I wonder if that Matt Serra loss doesn't happen at that stage of his career. Um, you know, something that I find a common trait when I've heard from fighters, wrestlers, any kind of person that is at that high level, it's an obsession with failure. That mm. That is what drives you because it's the fear of that failure that pushes you to when most are ready to call it a day and not push themselves to that next step. It's that frightening paranoia of fear. And that's getting into George's head of that's an enormous weight to carry that you go through this unbelievable, arduous struggle to get to a fight, to preserve your belief that you are the best. And as soon as it's over, you're being asked, when are you going to fight next? And it's a never ending. uh, It's, it's just running in place of just every time there will be another next fight. Yeah. We see it so often. Um, like the story of Ronda Rousey and how she took her her losses, I'm sure is a very common story. Many Olympians, uh, high level athletes, and and of course champions in MMA all all feel at the very same time. It is it's hard for me to think of uh, maybe you know in particular with MMA something more mentally demanding. You know when when you're part of a team sport. Obviously, it's still very tough, especially if you're like a star player. But if you're in there in a UFC cage where like your whole sometimes a whole year of training leads up to you know these 25 minutes in a cage maybe even less that i can't imagine that level of stress so somebody like george certainly like when that stress got to be so much you definitely got to see it uh see him in interviews just not be himself and this was like a topic that they would focus on in like all his documentaries and also um you know even like uh like like the primetime series and whatnot um some of the fights that, that come to mind for me that, that really stand out as big ones. Uh, the first fight with BJ Penn, mm-hmm. the second fight with BJ Penn was so enormous. That's yeah. when BJ Penn is the lightweight champion coming up to fight George at welterweight. It was the first primetime series, which Ariel Hawani actually worked on that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tremendous. The final scene of the montage of George and, and BJ, they're packing to go travel to Las Vegas for the fight. And it's done to this song called Last Man Standing by People in Planes. Mm-hmm. And it's outstanding. Um, it changed the game as far as I was concerned, as, as far as, you know, combat sports hype videos. I mean, it was that plus um, 24-7 with Mayweather. That was certainly the influence was yeah. 24-7 um, that uh, UFC implemented on, on their time. Uh, you were there at the Rogers Center for the Jake Shields fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not there for that particular fight. But there you go. 
Like, yes, it was an enormous success with like the UFC coming for the first time, but mm-hmm. George St. Pierre headlining against a relatively unknown to the masses in Jake Shields. That was only his second UFC fight. But it didn't matter. Like it was all, we were all, first of all, we were there for the UFC. You know, that was the big draw. But it was also show. enormous on pay-per-view and that's George. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it felt like a big show and it felt like it was like a massive homecoming for. Where were you when he entered the arena? I was in the press area, which was, I guess, more like, you know, where the restaurant tier is kind of like around around that whole spot. There was there was so much activity happening in the Rogers Center that night that cell phone service was Mm -hmm. like uh, you were not able to get a text out. Like it was like that's how much cell phone activity was happening in that building. It was like WrestleMania, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, any that stand out to you? You I mean, you and I covered the uh, the Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz fights, which. To me, he comes off the torn ACL, comes back to fight Carlos Condit. This is November 2012, mm-hmm. and he talked about the proudest moment was taking a head kick from Carlos Condit and weathering through that to win, and then he comes back four months later and beats Nick Diaz, and I think that that turnaround um, to push yourself to fight twice in four months was um, ultimately what I think contributed a lot to the hiatus after the Johnny Hendricks fight later that year. Yeah, certainly. I think by that point, you could totally see the mental wear. But, um, you know, for me, a lot of highlights for me came maybe earlier in his career where, like, when he finally beat Matt Hughes. That was a huge That was insane. I think, you know, so often we see, like, maybe even as a Canadian, I, like, I I, I underestimate, you know, like, how far this guy could go. Like, oh, okay, like, here's a good-looking guy. He's probably very good, but maybe he's not going to beat Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes at this time was, like, an unbeatable champion. And when he actually did it, I I certainly wasn't expecting it. And I remember that moment to this day, that head kick. Um, and, and here's this Canadian guy from the country that I'm from beating this unbeatable man in Matt Hughes. And, uh, yeah, it just started off this this wonderful, wonderful ride. And I think that with everyone seeing that Matt Sarah fight, that was always there in the back of people's mind that as dominant as George was, there was always the chance, oh, what if what if he slips? Mm-hmm. And I think that added to the intrigue of any fight, no matter how much of a favorite George was. And I mean, outside of that Johnny Hendricks fight, like he won in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, we go to Jake, who is on the line. Hey, how are you guys doing today? What's up, doing Jake? great, Jake. Yeah, doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah, I just want to uh, a couple, uh, just a couple questions here. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I watched MMA uh, was actually on UFC 74 when uh, George St. Pierre fought uh, George St. Pierre um, uh, fought Josh Koscheck, and uh, that was and my dad had it on pay per view, and it was um, yeah, it was the first MMA fight that I ever saw, and just fell in love ever since. And uh, he was George was one of those fighters that. Uh, it not only was one of the greats, but also that he he was one of those fighters who actually had integrity, and uh, yeah, it's been a, such a pleasure just watching him uh, perform uh, uh, throughout the years. So yeah, what a great career he had. Uh, I just want to ask, uh, just uh, ask him. Um, uh, it's a bummer that um, we're not uh, we're not. Um, I always I always wanted to see um, George uh, fight against Conor McGregor, uh, but. Uh, for for some reason uh, I don't know why, but was there ever was there ever any consideration uh, for that to happen, or was it just you know no interest from either parties for that? 
the belief was always that uh, if you remember, George St. Pierre attended UFC 196 and George was not the type of fighter that would just show up randomly at fights to watch them. And that was the night that Conor McGregor was fighting Nate Diaz and Nate Diaz won the fight. And I believe had Conor won that fight, that that would have been the direction they would have gone. Um, Like that was and to this day, I feel is the biggest fight the UFC could have made. It would have been. I think it would have broken every record, including the current one that stands with with Connor and Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, that's how big of a fight it could have been between the two, but it it didn't happen. And uh, I think that's the closest it probably ever got to happening. And if Connor won that fight, who knows? That that may have been where they went. That could have been a huge fight for UFC 200 that year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just uh, just a great career, and uh, and um, and also uh, just one wrestling question. Um, sure. Uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to the. Um, uh, I'm I'm really intrigued on the the developments of all lead wrestling and uh, seeing what uh, what the possible TV deals uh, would be, uh, TV deals that might be negotiating as well. So, uh, uh, do you guys uh, are you guys hearing any uh, anything about some? Um, them getting close to uh, any uh, any sort of nego- uh, close to negotiations uh, either in the U.S. or Canada about those and uh, what networks uh, they might be looking at. Not on n- nothing uh, on the Canadian front, and I mean just you know what's out there that no deal has been signed yet, but it's like there's there's lots of interest. Like it seems like they're going to land um, a, a pretty favorable deal. Like I don't imagine them landing on a small viewed station that's going to be yeah. putting them on outside of prime time. Like it's um, there, there's, there's demand for, for their product. Yeah. So I'm studying television um, uh, at my school. So, and I'm pretty familiar with uh, some of the, uh, some of the networks and my cousin, I have a cousin living in uh, Mississauga. So I'm pretty familiar with some of the Canadian networks as well here. Eventually I would love to see them be on TNT and TBS, either of those two to see what kind of wrestling, uh, if they have another, uh, have them have wrestling uh, again, but uh, uh, man, maybe in Canada, I think the the biggest, you know, some of the uh, rumors have uh, some of the things that might be a good fit for them would probably be Bell Media or TSN or maybe the Shaw Networks. But uh, so yeah, it's been, it's it's, been, it's it's pretty much a fun time to be a wrestling fan right now. So can't wait for Double or Nothing. And by the way, I'm going to be at uh, uh, in Las Vegas for a Double or Nothing. So I'm and Starcast. So I'm pretty excited for it. It's got my tickets ready, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. What shows are you going to check out at Starcast? What has uh, what are you going to make sure you see? Uh I know that uh, uh I know that uh, Conrad Thompson uh, has um I think has another form with uh, Eric Bischoff. I I'm not sure about that, but it uh, looks like uh pretty looking forward to it, so. Cool. Yeah, well, Jake, th- thanks a lot for the call. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. So, thank you uh to that if you want to give us a call once again the number is 732-800-4423 uh in just a little bit we'll be joined by ariel hawani of espn he'll chat with us about the legacy of george st pierre he has been covering him for his entire career and also got to do a sit-down interview with the retired st pierre we never got st pierre versus connor but am i glad that we actually did get st pierre versus nick diaz because i thought that was just such a perfect feud between two very, very different personalities. That was still the most insane fight week I've ever covered. Those press where conferences er- were were very strange, but they were so awesome. Every day, it was something with Nick Diaz that yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, like, he didn't show up to the uh, the open workouts. There was... 
him complaining about the water they were using on the airplane. Like you just didn't know what was going to happen day to day with Nick Diaz. That was where wolf tickets were, was uh, coined by, Mm. or at least repeated by Nick Diaz. And it resulted like there was so much chaos. It definitely helped the the pay-per-view buys that week. And that did, that did such a great number that Nick Diaz, like that was the most money he had ever made in his life. And and he didn't have to fight again until the Anderson Silva fight two years later. Wait, was that his? Li- okay, yeah, Anderson fight. But he's been—it's been four years since he fought Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah, wow. So I mean, he's been living off the money off of those two fights uh, primarily. Uh, one other thing with George that's worth uh, mentioning from today's press conference is, you know, the reasoning he did—he explained that he was trying to put together a fight with Habib Nurmagomedov and stated that both fighters wanted it, but. The UFC did not want it, and they had plans for Habib, and mm-hmm. he was kind of explaining the fact that you know he he is not looking to come back and be a regular fighter that's going to be fighting every six months. He's looking for one-off fights that motivate him, and I don't think he wants to commit to anything more than the one fight that he can mentally prepare himself for and know that he's got to continue. He doesn't want the pressures of being a champion. Exactly. And I think with the UFC, they're looking at it from the standpoint of, do we want to hold up a division? Do we want George to win a title and then never defend it and Mm -hmm. vacate it? Um, And that's even with Nurmagomedov offering to do a catchweight fight. Mm -hmm. He was asked if Dana White changed his mind and came to him and was willing to do the the Nurmagomedov fight, would he be changing his mind? And he said that he looked at it, this was a, a business offer. And when you make a business offer, it's not good six months from now. It's it's good today. And once there's no, the offer's off the table. But he also acknowledged he doesn't know where he will be mentally in a few months. Mm-hmm. And like he left the door open. He did not shut it completely um, yeah. that, you know, there could be a reversal. So can- I, I, I really feel, I hope that this is it for him. I I hope that doing this, this big announcement is it for him. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be the enticement of doing another fight. And George is one that he has enough money. I don't think it's money that is fueling him at all. It is no. simply legacy building. There's always going to be that fight that can somewhat enhance your legacy, but equally um, it can distort your legacy as well. If yep. you take the run, he's going to be 38 years old this year. And like, it's a very interesting fight with Nurmagomedov if it happens today. But as the months and years go on, um, that that's a fight that I, I just think doesn't make a whole lot of sense for St. Pierre. What if it's Conor McGregor? I mean, again, if, you, if you're the UFC and you're looking at... Conor's another guy who doesn't seem all that interested in, in being a champion right now. He, too, is looking for... for Listen, I, I don't think... From the UFC's standpoint, I think it's they get the best of both worlds, that they get a one-night gigantic profit. Yeah. And if anything we've learned from Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather... A loss is not going to kill Conor McGregor. No. A loss to George St. Pierre is not going to harm him in any way. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I don't think you have to... There, there's, there really is not that precedent of one critical loss to a star uh, and their drawing power evaporates. It's yeah. typically over a prolonged period where there's a pattern. And you see an Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. It's like Chris Weidman did not kill Anderson Silva, but it was a prolonged absence of the Anderson Silva of old and right. his performance rather than one loss. But... I mean, your your gut is this is this it for George St. Pierre? Oh man, it's so hard because to retirements say. and fighting are always going to come with a raised eyebrow. So in this press conference, did George make any mention of, of any uh, um, you know physical issues that he was having? None. He said he physically he felt he was at the top of his game. Hmm. It's he's he yeah. does he just said I don't have the hunger I used to have. 
I mean, I'm very skeptical. I think I think uh, you can you can purchase hunger in a lot of uh, uh, MMA fighters. So I'm 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 a little bit skeptical. Maybe I'm a little naive that I I view him differently than most because I think he is one that if he was re- if he realistically like I think when he says the word retirement, mm-hmm. that's it. That is the, he did not say that for four years when he left. He would right. not say retirement. The fact he did today, I I put more stock into him saying that than most fighters, but could certainly be proven wrong. Did he allude to uh, what 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 he might be doing with his with the rest of his life? He he indicated that there was a time when fighting was his life; it was mm-hmm. everything. And he said that's not the case anymore. Like fighting is an element that I'm going to free up, and I'm going to have plenty more to 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 fill that that hole in my life. He didn't get into specifics. Um, you know, you can dinosaur, see he, there are a lot of dinosaur bones left to be. Well, you, you know, he he is someone that has delved a bit into acting. I don't know if that's something significantly like, listen, he's on his own time. He has no pressures in life. I want to uh, see the Batroc the Leaper spinoff going to uh, in the MCU, going to hunt for dinosaurs and aliens. I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. <laughs> he, he is, is a very, very interesting <laughs> individual. Um, he but, really is. Uh before we go to Ariel, let's uh, get to some wrestling stories sure. quickly, because uh, there were a bunch. Uh, the first one is The Hollywood Reporter that came out with a story on Wednesday that there is a biopic in development on Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan, uh, which they are in the midst of finalizing with Netflix, which would see Chris Hemsworth, Thor, playing the role of Hulk Hogan and would feature director Todd Phillips, uh, Scott Silver as the writer, and... Among the producers listed was Eric Bischoff with Hulk Hogan serving as a consultant and they were, will not be delving into uh, the years containing some of Hulk Hogan's scandals. So this seems like it will be a very, um, very favorable representation of Hulk Hogan's life and probably perhaps using his first book as the, uh, as the blueprint of, of his life, which is quite the work of fiction, that first book. I guess I would just love to know, like, um, how, why, and what? <laughs> like, I think, I don't know. I'm just seeing some of the reaction online to, to this news, and a lot of people are questioning what Chris Hemsworth is doing coming off of, you know, the biggest franchise in, in box office history, potentially, in the Avengers, and choosing a project like this. And I think to me, it's do you a, realize we could get Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan biopics in the next few years? Well, I'd much rather watch the Vince one than than the Hulk. They're Hogan both going to be completely ludicrous. Yeah, like I can't imagine the the observer length when those movies come out. <laughs> but Hulk Hogan's reputation, I think, very much like I know we're in a wrestling bubble, and I know like Saudi Arabia ultimately, you know, did change a whole lot. He was still on their TV and and everything. But the public perception of Hulk Hogan is still not very strong. I'm seeing like reactions to this news come out on Twitter, and it's just the the same memes that came out during that Saudi Arabia show when you know Hulk Hogan was trending. Like WWE was like <laughs> proclaiming Hulk Hogan's trending, and and beneath every response, then you is click like, on it, is a meme uh, like making fun of Hulk Hogan, and alluding to the still very um, you know negative public image that he has that I feel Hulk Hogan has yet to really answer for. So, 
somebody as A-list as Chris Hemsworth being attached to this project, I was actually quite surprised by it. If this was like a, you know, made-for-TV movie, I wouldn't be all that all that surprised. But the fact that it's Chris Hemsworth... What, this was also a Netflix production, they said? They're, they're, they're in talks to finalize this deal with Netflix. Okay. I'm a little bit surprised, to be quite honest. And, uh, you know, those are some legitimate names in, in Todd Phillips being attached to it as well. Yeah, and... I don't know how you do a Hulk Hogan movie without covering the Gawker stuff. Like, it just yeah. seems like that is such a gate. I guess you cut it off at, like, I don't know, what's WrestleMania 3, maybe? Maybe you cut it off at, at I don't know, what's, what would you consider, like, the peak ending of his? If you're, if you're doing PR for this movie, if you're sending a Chris Hemsworth out to do interviews, how much of those interviews are spent talking about, like, how do you dance around the, the actual issues with, with Hulk Hogan? See, that's the movie I want. I want to see maybe the, 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 the movie that Hulk Hogan is not involved with that dives into issues like that. Mm-hmm. The one that looks at it from a more of a critical stance. Yeah. But, I mean, I have no interest in, in seeing a Terry Bollea, you know, uh, uh, associated, produced project. I, this, this movie will set, set one record already, and that is the, the longest in advance I've ever booked uh, a guest Chris uh, Hemsworth? No, no. Chris Hemsworth is not available. Uh, but I have already assigned Brian Mann to review this movie with us when it comes out. <laughs> He's the perfect choice. Yeah. I, I could not imagine anyone but Brian Mann uh, joining us to yeah. review this movie. So that that is one record that, that we have set. Um, what else do we have here? Um, you had a chance to see NXT on Wednesday night. Yes. Um, they also held the NXT tapings on mm. Wednesday night. I will keep it spoiler free, but they did announce the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic with the uh, the eight teams, the winners of which will go to TakeOver to take on the War Raiders. And all four of the call-ups this week uh, were used at the tapings on Wednesday, and it seems like they will be there through at least WrestleMania. Yeah. Again, without without talking about what, what we're about to see in the spoilers, I am going to be very intrigued in seeing how... You know, the presence of these four continues on the main roster while maintaining their current storylines that are set to take place in these NXT episodes that are going to air. What a logistical nightmare. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. Uh, We also have, uh, this came out just after Rewind to SmackDown, but uh, Ty Dillinger, Mm -hmm. Ron Arneal, uh, requested his release uh, from the WWE. Keyword requested. Exactly. And I've contacted the WWE. They have not responded yet. And I know others have also contacted them. And we have not heard any response about their status, about um, Dillinger's status. Um, There is no knowledge that this release has been granted yet. Uh, But it's an interesting play that he made this public and kind of forcing the hand of the company. It's worked out for a number of people so far. You know, like, look at the revival. Look at... I mean, I guess you can't say really Dean Ambrose has kind of benefited that much from it. But but neither of those guys went out uh, and explicitly stated we want our releases. I guess not. But the news did come out and yeah. and they were kind of like not not necessarily in denial of it, you know? Yeah. But, he, but here's the deal. He comes on Tuesday night after he has gone to management with this request. Mm-hmm. What was the response? It obviously was not done because he would have said... I've been granted my release. He did not say that. No. So it was, it, it's a crafty move to then go later that night after you presumably are not granted your release mm-hmm. or at least told we'll sit on it. He, he has not given clearance to, sure. Uh, and he decides I'm going to go put this out there. But if you're Ty Dillinger at this point, what do you have to lose? You know, by doing this, or do you have more to gain by simply telling this to the audience? Hey, 
I'm unhappy working here. It's up to management to make me happy or they can grant me my release and I can find my own happiness in another place. He really has nothing to lose. And I'm sure a lot of other wrestlers are seeing him do like wrestlers like him do stuff like this and think that, hey, like now is a time in the professional wrestling industry where I actually have some leverage as low on the card as I may be as, as you know, being Ty Dillinger. So, you know, to pull a stunt like this. We'll see how it how it turns out. Now, is he a name that that you would like to see in AEW, or do you think that they should be staying away from from guys like? I, I'd be very cautious about going. Like I, I would say that if you're AEW, you have the most desirable roster spots in the industry at the moment, and if you want to fill those slots, I think you have to have a solid idea for what you're going to do. The to me, uh, ex WWE guy that is coming in. And we'll give a push. That's not enough for me. Yeah. It's got to be something concrete that this guy has something so special that this other company has missed out on. Because if your defining trait is that you're an ex WWE guy that's coming to prove them wrong, um, I, I just think you have to have um, a, mm. a higher, like, that can't be it alone. I think there has to be a level of intrigue and a level of like um, people seeing a lot more potential within you that. That is not being realized, you know. I think Dillinger kind of like falls into into that realm. Um, he could also grow into becoming a great producer or trainer, sure, and that could be ultimately where he ends up in. I kind of see like Dean Ambrose kind of in that same light too, where you know, if I mean, yes, I know it, it's all dependent on how much maybe his current run is attributed to him versus how much is attributed to creative. But I think the the potential Dean Ambrose that we all wanted to see in this heel run, this John the John Moxley you know, version of Dean Ambrose that we didn't get to see. I uh, I think everybody's very hopeful that outside of the WWE, they will get that. SmackDown did 2,269,000 viewers Tuesday night. It's their highest number since November 13th and 10% above their uh, average this year. Mm-hmm. And what that- do you attribute that to? Is that the Kofi factor? Is it the call-ups from Monday? Is it a combination of that? Plus you're coming off a pay-per-view mm-hmm. and this following raw that had a fantastic first hour yep. um, that I think the fact that it trickled over to Tuesday, um, I, I think it, it could be a number of factors. I have to believe that it's, it's more so to me, the, the, the combination of it being after a pay-per-view, but also maybe some of the buzz from, from the NXT call-ups. Uh, but Almost doesn't matter until we see next week's number, right? Mm-hmm. They all went to postwrestling.com in the afternoon, oh, read God, that they yes. were going to be on SmackDown, <laughs> and boom, you get your highest number in yeah. months. But I mean, I think I think it's all kind of irrelevant, uh, you know, uh, until the next week and the week after. I, I'd say if you want to argue um, that the Kofi Kingston thing has some momentum, that, mm-hmm. that number is certainly in your favor. I think yeah. you can make that argument. Sure. And this was a show built around uh, Kofi in the main event, and I guess we'll see more of it in the coming weeks. Yeah. More of this, more of uh, the NXT guys as well. Right. Um, we also had uh, Takeshi Azuka's retirement earlier today. I have not watched the match yet, but that, that is uh, one we will be discussing in the uh, in the coming days. I have to say the, uh, the New Japan uh, English YouTube channel has this great video that just details uh, his history with uh, Tenzan that um, I thought was wonderfully put together. So if you haven't watched that match yet, I encourage you to go check that out before. I will recommend uh, Pac and Will Ospreay from Friday. Yeah. Uh, the Rev Pro high stakes uh, card from your call. Also, we have a new British wrestling experience up on the site. and With th- live reports from both those shows. Yes. Uh, so you can check that out uh, up at the site with a, a great rundown of not just that card, but also OTT's homecoming event, 
the latest uh, 16 karat gold announcements, progress, NXT UK, everything. Those guys Ni- watch 90 minutes of everything. Those you need guys to watch know. so much, like more than we do that that we get to talk about. So please uh, appreciate their hard work. What are you going to be checking out this weekend? It's a rather quiet one. I'll watch uh, some of the um, the uh, New Japan material that's out this week. Uh, they're putting on, of course, the uh, uh, Izuka retirement show and as well as Honor Rising. So I'll check out some st- standout matches from that. Yeah, it's not the quietest weekend. There's a, there's a UFC card Saturday afternoon. There's, there's a, a Bellator UFC card, card every, Saturday night. There's UFC and Bellator every week. It feels like. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. 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 There's a. I think there's a UFC card every weekend until WrestleMania weekend. They are not running WrestleMania weekend. Mm-hmm. So that's that's at least a bit of a positive. I mean, let's enjoy this kind of non AEW. Um, uh, era while we can because I think once that that gets going it'll be just even crazier um I I sometimes you know what do you think those guys have in store for Wrestlemania weekend who's that I'm talking about like the elite you know the I don't think anything no not as far as a show but like as we've seen they've been known to crash a number of shows and I think WrestleMania I don't weekend, I don't think they'll have any presence that weekend really why yeah. why do you say that I think that they're going to be smart enough that they're not going to be looking at um I think they, they realize that it's not their weekend, and I'd be very surprised. Um, not to say they don't crash a show. Um, I can see them crashing a show a day, multiple sh- shows a day. Uh, it's possible. Maybe Man. they'll be in the clusterfuck. That would be strange. Right, but yeah, I mean, Joey Janelle is putting on a show. Penta and Phoenix are going to be everywhere. So maybe a whole night of Joey Janela skits. Uh, great. Yeah. Awesome. It's on stand-up show. Awesome. Um, I'm going to call Ariel. Do you want to give everyone the information about our live show that weekend? Yes. Uh, uh, of course, uh, if you're listening to this right now, hopefully you're a, a, a fan of ours. And if you also happen to be in the New York area during WrestleMania weekend, John and I are putting on a live Q&A post-wrestling live in New York. We are doing that on the Sunday, hours before WrestleMania. So if you're in town, drop by the Broadway Comedy Club, where uh, John and I will be answering all of your questions, talking a little bit maybe about our growth as pro wrestling and as podcasters. And then, of course, meeting and greeting all of you. We want to take photos with everybody. We want to give you guys postcards. So uh, if you want tickets, all the information is at postwrestling.com slash live. And if you're a patron, tickets are $20. For the general public, tickets are 25 So again, postwrestling.com slash live. We hope to see all of you. That is post-wrestling, live in New York, WrestleMania weekend. We hope to see many of you there. Maybe even this man. He is joining us now from ESPN, live in Montreal, Ariel Helwani, joining us on the Cafe Hangout. Ariel, how are you? I'm doing great. Live from my parents' living room. Wow. That's how live we are right now. Man, this, this guy, what, what a day you have had, Ariel. When, when did you arrive in Montreal? Was this an early morning trek? Or were you, did yes, you arrive a day it was early? An early morning trek. Oh wow! No, because yesterday there was all kinds of weather issues where I live. It's um, a very long text message sound, um, so I couldn't fly out last night. And all this kind of happened very, uh, you know, very last minute, as you guys know. So I took a 6:30 a.m. flight, and I was super nervous about that because this press conference was at 10:30, and I'm perpetually nervous. Mm-hmm. But uh, the flight was on time, even though there was some snow here. And I went straight. I went straight from the airport to the Bell Center. I had to get changed 
into my suit in an airport bathroom stall at the airport in Montreal, which was just uh, for, for a germaphobe like myself, an absolute horrific experience. Uh, but I made it on time and all's well that ends well. Did you mention any of this uh, en français while you were speaking with George at this press conference? Now, let me explain the en français to you, uh, Ontarioites. Is it Ontarioites or Ontarians? Ontarians. So the, the, the gentleman that was sort of emceeing this, who's, uh, I think his name is Justin, who's very good at his job, he's a former press secretary for Prime Minister Paul Martin, I learned afterwards, huh. very on top of his game. He told me that in Quebec, it is a massive no-no if the first question goes to a non- French-speaking journalists that you have to always defer to the um, you know the French media at first, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He said we'd like to give you the honor of asking the first question, but you have to ask it in French and English. And I said, yeah, that's fine. It's going to be really you know really choppy French, but I'm I'm more than happy to do it. It's uh, an honor to be asked. Fine, I'll do you know why not? So I wasn't trying to like flex my muscles or anything there. I was asked to do that. Um, as to not ruffle any feathers. I, w- I was very happy that you did it. I thought it was awesome that the first question comes from Ariel Hawani in French. You flex those muscles, Ariel. I mean, you you, you work on you work on that verbal physique. You get to flex. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, it was really cool to be there. Honestly, I'm I'm really happy that ESPN let me um, go cover it. And afterwards, we got a 30 minute sit down with George right before he left. He did all the media rounds, and then we sat down with him and. Uh, shared a nice moment. You know, honestly, it's it's very surreal for me because, you know, it's Montreal, it's my hometown, it's George St. Pierre. If you would have told me when I started, you know, watching MMA that, you know, George, who's you know, the face of Canadian MMA, who I went to a sports bar here to watch win the, the welterweight title against Matt Hughes at UFC 65, that I'd be interviewing him on, you know, his, his retirement day and, and um, reminiscing with him and all this stuff, you know, in my hometown where the Canadians play, um, I mean, I, I couldn't make something for ESPN, who I dream, um, you know, of, of working for. It's uh, it's kind of a surreal thing. It's my first time coming home and working in Montreal as a you know member of the ESPN team. So, um, yeah, I, I'm prone to be emotional, and I was a little emotional today as well. You know, we had a similar situation like this with George, not exactly, but we go back to 2013. It's about a week after the Johnny Hendricks fight, and he is set to making an, uh, an appearance at a mall in Quebec City, and Wei and I get sent on a plane to go to this mall in Quebec City, and right prior to his appearance, he does the conference call to announce his sabbatical oh, yeah. and relinquishing the welterweight title. And I was sharing this story earlier, Ariel, that several weeks later, I got to do a sit-down with George, and it was a different person I was speaking to. The weight of the world was off his shoulders. Like, we tended to be around him fight week where he was so wound up and... Yeah a robot uh, just preparing for what, what he has explained, the part of fighting he hated the most, which was fight day. When yeah. you sat down with him today, you know, we've seen a much more relaxed George over the past five years, but did you get any kind of um, any sense of George and a certain relief uh, right after the press conference today? 100%. And that's a great analogy. Um, it, it was even more so today. Um, I, I believe, look, <laughs> Yes, he left the door a little open if someone calls him with that Habib fight or whatever, but I, I really feel like he's at peace, and I feel like it's it's great that we finally have gotten to see the real George, because you're 100% right. Like I think back to the George that fought 
Koscheck and Jake Shields and Matt Serra and all those guys. And, and that guy was like a robot because he was so nervous. And I don't think we really understood at the time how, how nervous he was come fight day. And so now it's really cool to see how relaxed he is, how at peace he is. Um, and you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that, that moment, at UFC 167 or after UFC 167, where he sort of hinted that he was going to walk away and then eventually did it around 10, 11 days later. Um, in my sit down with him today that will hopefully be coming out later. He actually said that that was one of the biggest regrets of his career, the way he handled that situation, that he understands why Dana was mad at him that night and that in hindsight, he wished he handled it a little bit differently. And I've never heard him say that before. And so it was cool to, to, to hear a reflective George, a happy George, an excited George, a George that realizes he has nothing left to prove. And isn't it amazing? Two things really struck me today. Number one, him going out on top is, you know, uh, something that not only in combat sports is hard to pull off, but in sports in general, there's very few athletes that have gone out on top as winners, as champions, and in particular in combat sports. I mean, you could probably count them on one hand, you know, the, 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 the athletes that it wasn't uncomfortable watching them at the end. You know, Lennox Lewis was one of the last boxers to do it the right way. I guess Mayweather, although he comes and goes, Joe Calzaghe did it. So this is a really special thing that he's doing. And also, like, not one infraction, not one embarrassment, not one PD violation, not one run-in with the law. I mean, yeah, we can nitpick and say DJ Penn accused him of greasing. I mean, oh, fine, if you want to call it that, but he was never actually you know, um, found guilty of that. But like nothing, there's no blemishes on his record. That's a pretty incredible thing. So um, I, I, I'm happy to hear him say that he has nothing left to prove and that he's able to walk away at peace. Can you speak, Ariel, as to you know what he meant to... Montreal into Quebec as a whole, because uh, that's something that John and I can't really speak to. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, he means a lot. You know, it's funny. I told him afterwards. Every single one of my friends, everyone who knows what I do for a living, who lives in Montreal, they all have a George St. Pierre story. He's kind of like a mascot here. Everyone has seen him. He he trains at him the and UP. at the Y. What's that? Him and UP. Yes. Well, he's like, you know, he's a less lovable one because you don't want to like <laughs> hug him. But I mean, he's, some people do want to hug him, but it, 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 like he's omnipresent. He really is. Um, he likes the nightlife here. He loves restaurants. He loves talking about restaurants. He loves going out to eat. He loves going around town. Like he, he everyone has a George story and everyone has a positive George story. Everyone has a great run in with him. And um, back, you know, when he was coming up, you know, Montrealers, even less like I think we kind of have an inferiority complex when it comes to you know what we are able to accomplish outside of Montreal in in hockey of course Quebecers are are very dominant but in nothing else like there's no great Montreal basketball players or football players sort of like there's the odd you know player from Ontario who's good at basketball you know R J Barrett is good at basketball he's from Ontario but we don't get that and so for someone to succeed the way he was succeeding on on such a large scale it made us really proud. And, and I am not joking when I say when I saw him win at UFC 65, it inspired me to want to become an MMA journalist because I was like, look at this guy from Montreal doing this on the biggest scale uh, stage possible in, in this sport. Why can't I do this as well? Um, and like UFC 83, he opened the door to, you know, to, to the UFC to come to Canada. He opened the door to the UFC to come to Ontario. I don't think these things happen, certainly not on the scale um in which they did without him. He, he you know, we, we throw around a face of this, face of that. I mean, the, 
they, he carried that company on his shoulders um, in this part of the world, and certainly in this city. And think about how many times they came to this city. Think about how many times they sold out with him at the top of the bill. And then think about when he left, what the crowds were like. Like, were you guys at UFC 186? That was one of the most depressing nights I've ever, you know, experienced in MMA. It was it was horrible. So he was just huge. We were all so proud of him, and he never let us down. You know, it was it was really amazing. Um, you know, to be a Montrealer growing up as he was the man because he was doing so well and um, and, and he represented the city so well. It, it's funny. I just watched the, the TSN documentary on Donovan Bailey and they go back to the moment after he beats Michael Johnson in the 150 meter uh, runoff at the Skydome. And afterwards, he does the interview calling Michael Johnson a chicken. And I'm a kid at that point and didn't really focus on how much brushback Donovan Bailey got for that comment because it was considered very un-Canadian. And I think that's a part of George St. Pierre that here in this sport that we so often associate with the Floyd Mayweathers or Conor McGregors, that George St. Pierre, he was also just as captivating a personality by being the antithesis of that. And I think a lot of that was the, the Canadian element that we saw in George St. Pierre that you see in a lot of these fighters that have very deep ties to their, to their country of origin. Yeah. And to that point, like what's one of the most famous George St. Pierre lines, I'm not impressed by your performance. Right. Why? Because it was so, it was so out of character for him. And he, he later explained that like, he didn't mean to say it that way. It's just because his English at the time wasn't very good. That was so shocking. And it stuck with all of us because he's the guy who never trash talked anyone. Like even, you know, even Nick Diaz, you know, tried to get under his skin and said a lot of things about him and accused him of a lot of things that BJ Penn did the same. And he never, he never broke out of his character. So that was supremely impressive as well. And, and you're hundred percent right. I think a lot of Canadians looked up to him in that regard, but I brought up this question yesterday on, on um, one of the shows that I do, the MMA reporters. I wonder if George St. Pierre in 2019, if he's in his prime at 2019, like the George St. Pierre at UFC 83 and, you know, 129, 124, is he as popular and as successful in today's UFC as he was eight, nine years ago? And I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I think, uh, the fans have been programmed to gravitate toward, like, look at Tony Ferguson. The guy can't get a title shot. Um, and he's won, like, what, 10, 11 in a row? Ten years ago, he's getting a title shot. George didn't have that colorful personality. I think that Connor has changed the game and, and changed people's appetite and and tastes. And I, I wonder if George is as successful today. Like, what do you guys think? Is he as successful today as he was 10 years ago? I'm not so sure about that. I think that there is certainly, like, I think it's, it's great that you can have a Conor McGregor, but you don't want to have a sport with them. And you need to have yeah. those contrasting figures. And I wonder today that if the UFC is almost the idea of what a star is, they've kind of put that into a smaller box, that they have a narrower view, that to me, it, it is the great contrast. And George St. Pierre and Randy Couture are extreme examples mm -hmm. of having of having that 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 baby face figure. Like I compared George St. Pierre to a, several generations ago, of Bruno San Martino, like the the strong oh. ethnic babyface that had his people come out just to see him vanquish the the villain of the month, and look at how we saw other guys alter themselves because they knew they weren't going to out good guy George St Pierre. If you were Josh Koscheck or Matt Sarah or Nick Diaz, like these were guys that understood 
their roles in that promotion as well. But it's a great question if uh, I, I think inevitably George would have a tougher road if he's entering the UFC today because that demeanor is not rewarded. You're not given the opportunity to right. showcase it to a larger audience. But I think what yeah, makes a, what makes George comparison. so exceptional is that like he is a in many ways I guess sort of a vanilla baby face, but he's not vanilla. Like I think he's a very captivating personality when you hear him speak, despite him not not cussing, not saying anything that, all that derogatory about his opponents. He is just able to kind of talk about what he respects and uh you know like just just kind of vouch for like. Uh, very positive virtues, yet he does not come across boring at all to me. So I think he would be successful today. There was a time, though, that I think people were accusing him of being boring, boring in the ring, boring with his interviews, and I think over time he's gotten a lot better in every aspect. I mean, his last fight against Bisping was amazing. Um, but somewhat to your point, I'm, wonder, I'm wondering about this this new era for George, this new chapter, because we know he's interested in drug testing. We know that you know, he was a part of that union not that long ago. And, you know, does he get involved in that? Does he try to help the fighters? Does he try to help rights? Does he try to help with collective bargaining? I'm really curious about that. I asked him about that today. And he kind of said, you know, I'm interested in helping both sides. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm interested in helping the fighters. Uh, he even said that, you know, he, he regrets going through with the Johnny Hendricks fight. If you know, He said he should have just said that I'm not going to do the fight if you're not going to do the proper drug testing. So these are things that obviously mean a lot to him, and he can really galvanize a lot of fighters. He can really, you know, get them to unionize or get them to be on the same page. I think it would be really interesting to see if he actually goes through with that now that you know he's officially done with the sport. My last question here, Ariel. Tonight, when you're on your way back home and you're laying back, are you going to pop on People in Planes, as you will probably be on a plane and listen to Last Man Standing? <laughs> So actually, I'm staying one uh, one night here in Montreal because uh, I found out that he is going to be at the Canadians game and he's going to drop the puck and be uh, celebrated with a ceremony of some kind. And I thought I might as well see that and you know get the whole spectrum of the uh, the day's festivities. Plus, it's not often that I get to come home, so I'll do that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and I think that that is one of the best segments in the history of UFC programming. Also, Casey, uh, my longtime friend, cameraman, posted another one, the Carlos Condit one. I forget the song now, but he posted Lightning it on Twitter. The co- yes, yeah. that's a phenomenal That's a good one, one. too. Because I, re- I think in that one, you really get to see like how stressed he is about fighting, right? Um, and what a line today. Also, something I never heard him say, saying that like one of his proudest moments was getting up after that Carlos Condit head kick. And he later expanded on that, saying that um, he tried to get up. He tried to stand up after he got dropped by the head kick, and he was then he started thinking about the Matt Serra fight and remembered that when he was dropped against Matt Serra, he didn't have his legs under him, and then got dropped again. So he said, "I'm going to sit back down and and gather myself." So really, really great stuff from George today. And um, how rare is it also in, in MMA that like there's a press conference to announce retirement and the UFC is on board and there's no bad blood and it's not like you know screw you this and that like. It was just a great day for the sport. Uh, excuse me, for the sport. It was a great day for everyone. So um, I'm really happy that I could be here to experience it and cover it. 
Uh, well, Ariel, I know you've had such a busy day. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to join us. We, we definitely want to have you on just to share a couple minutes here on the career of, you know, a, a real seminal figure in Canadian sports history in uh, George St. Pierre and the coverage in Canada today. Uh, if you have not gotten to see it like this, this was a major uh, sports story across Canada. Uh, oh, today. great. So uh, I'm happy to hear. Remember, remember Dana White once said that he's the most famous athlete in Canada and everyone said that he was crazy. I, by the way, I thought that was one of the greatest pieces of promoting Dana ever did. I don't know if I agree with him, but just getting him in that conversation, I thought was brilliant. Sorry to interrupt there, but I'm happy. I haven't seen the coverage. I'm happy to hear that he's getting the respect that he deserves. Uh, and we'll keep our eyes peeled for your sit down interview with uh, George St. Pierre. Of course, you can catch Ariel Hawani with Ariel Hawani's MMA show Mondays at 1 p.m. at ESPN. The MMA reporters, which I, I, I guess yeah. I'm not part of the ESPN family, so I haven't been invited to, to appear on, but I'm always available. Well, so far, it's, so far, it's just been ESPN guys. I, I get it. I get it. That. But I'm going to expand. Don't worry. Jeez, way to put me on the spot. You see, way doesn't put me on the spot like that. Oh, I don't way, respect the know, thing. Just... I'm grateful to no, be on my own show. Yes, yes. Well, I had you in studio once many moons ago, yes, but you then did. never again. I, I, I learned my lesson. I, I like to consider us, you know, the building blocks of your radio empire. We were, we were guests like in the in the, the the single digits of the show. I mean, that that's quite the accomplishment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know how to book any guests. I didn't know anyone, so I had to rely on you guys. And I'm always <laughs> you had to go for the bottom of the rolodex at the beginning, and you, you built it up to George St. Pierre sit down interview on retirement day. Yeah. <laughs> Ariel, thanks a lot. Uh, safe travels home, and uh, appreciate you uh, stopping by to chat with us. No problem. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Ariel. That was Ariel Hawani. Wow. So nice of him to, to, make, to him. make time out of his very busy schedule today yes, for us. I, I asked him, and you know, today I knew it was going to be a hectic day for him, yeah. and he carved out uh, some time for us, so I, I really appreciate that a lot. And with that, that is going to bring an end to the Cafe Hangout. Uh, I think one of our better cafe hangouts. Yeah, uh, thank you to all the callers who called in. Thank you to everybody who uh, was uh, in the chat room with us today. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday in the archived uh, recording, either on our podcast feed or on YouTube, we do these live every Thursday uh, for our cafe patrons with video access. So that's $12 and above. If you support our channel for that, we give you a live show like this once a week. And with that... I'm going to try some of these Girl Scout cookies uh -huh. as we sign off and bid you adieu.